0: on tonight or do we have the rest of the band
1: yes it's just me today
0: okay that's cool um so yeah we've been interviewing indie artists since 2018 we just reached 25,000 listeners worldwide on our podcast so we're that's
1: awesome
0: we're Thanks. up and coming so we're happy to have you on the, on the on the on the program tonight
2: well, so thank, thank um,
0: yeah so you, you've been very successful with your band you know you, looking looking over your your the review i mean you've been revolver magazine took notice of you you've done tours in japan and holland and you know you've had pretty good critical um acclaim so that's that's very exciting to to have you know an artist of your level on the show
1: thank you so much i mean it's been a long long road but um you know moving forward but thank you for having me it's always a pleasure to you know connect and talk to you guys so
0: well we sent you the question so we usually start off um with like when did you first get into music in like what age is our first opening question to any artist we have on the show
1: okay cool yeah so i got into music uh pretty early on i grew up in moscow russia And I started playing piano since I was probably like three or four. And I went to music school, and over there it was pretty serious. So um, I practiced a lot, and there was a lot of piano competitions and recitals and all of that stuff. So (laughs) it kind of became my life. And then um, we moved to the U.S. when I was about 11. And I continued playing um, I mean, I was always in the arts. Like even in Russia, it was music and theater and dance. I just, so was
0: it was it classical, classical on the piano? Were you a classical yeah. pianist? Yeah, I
1: definitely. Know. I it was very classical. <laughs> it was yeah. it was classical pretty much up until the band. That <laughs> was
2: my whole world. But well,
0: that's, that's a good place. My keyboards, myself, mm-hmm. impressive and it's like. As they kind of are the foundations, if you want to go into other things, then you can kind of you know, chords and song structure, you can kind of go in wherever you want. So, I think it gives you a good base. This mm yeah, you know. that's, mm-hmm,
1: that's very true. And I think Eddie Van Halen also said, you know, learn everything you can and then forget it.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, because no, Tori Amos she went to a conservatory to, and then she couldn't take because they wouldn't let her do pop music so she went off but she you know took that classical capability into her pop music mm-hmm. um and a lot of you know heavy metal bands do that too and, and the kind of band that you are is kind of like a hybrid uh, band like a dream pop kind of industrial dark wave you know dark pop kind of sound
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think it's a good place to have that skill set um,
1: yeah for sure
0: so how you've been working on music since you were young what made you decide that you wanted to go away from being like a, a concert pianist or, you know, somebody that would be in a big, like, uh, classical, you know, orchestra or, or, or that world and then decide to go into, you know, the world of, of, of more popular music?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love, I love that world and I love the music. But I, I think I just kind of followed where life was taking me in a way and I never thought that I would be in a metal band or a rock band or any band but when I moved to Los Angeles I was just doing different projects and then I met the guitar player Dave Bates and then he had a band before me and it just sort of happened that you know he was looking for a singer and then I was looking to you know to kind of dedicate my Self to something creative and kind of follow through, and I always need. I always wanted had the need to kind of create something of my own, mm-hmm. and I think when you play classical music,
0: yeah, you kind, kind of stuck know. playing all these classic, classic, you know, you know, open box show but you no know, one wants to deviate from the original writing, so you kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. That, that that's you know that's great music. You know, I, I learned it myself, but yeah, if you wanted to go out on your own, it's not the place to go on you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So
1: yeah, that sort of happened. And um, I found myself really happy doing the band just because it gave me a way to do multiple things that I love, which is music, but also, you know, performance side of things because I love theater and, you know, also music videos it's just kind of
0: yeah. It's like a full package, you know. Being a, 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 a going into pop music or rock music, or you know any any of the you know the the genres that we're into mm-hmm. it gives you the ability to mix multiple art forms. You know, you got the video, you got theater. You know, you you think about guys like David Bowie. He kind of opened up the whole world for people in terms of how they can present themselves. You know, and you know you get you get that kind of the idea of that you can play a, a role like an actor as a musician and you can kind of create the stage persona mm-hmm. i think it's been is pretty cool i mean you see a lot in you know different types of music but in heavy metal and in rock and, and stuff that like bowie did or lady gaga does mm-hmm. yeah it, it's kind of cool the way you can actually bring acting into you yeah. know,
1: into it <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> so
0: but but yeah it's interesting um the, you you were talking about, you, you, you're classically trained. Are, are you classically trained on your voice and the piano? Did you do both vocal training when you went to your schools no. and piano too?
1: No, not at all. Then didn't sing. <laughs> I, uh, I did some musical theater in high school but no, I never took any like voice training. I think what helped me in college, I had a breathing cl- a speech class and we did a lot of breathing exercises.
0: How did you find that you actually had a singing voice? Cause a lot of people who play piano or play, you know, instruments don't necessarily, you know, n- know they've got a, a voice or, or maybe don't, don't focus on it. They focus on the, the guitar or the bass or the, or their instrument, when, you, you, did you always want to write your own songs and voice their, their, your own music?
1: No, I kind of found myself in this situation and then had to figure out how to sing. Because <laughs> I don't know.
0: Oh, well, they were looking for a singer, and then they kind of said, well, we want you to be a singer? <laughs> well, I
1: mean, it wasn't really like that. It was, so when, it, when I was in L.A., I, had, I was in this dance group, and they got a producer and the producer kind of made us sing. And then that didn't go anywhere. And then since I played the piano, the producer asked me to write a song with him and I had to sing the song. So that was kind of my first time singing, you know, but then we wanted, um, it was turning out to be kind of a rock song and then we wanted to get a guitar solo on it. And we came across Dave and it kind of worked out that he had a band with Robin McCauley and Greg Bissonette and Tony Franklin. And then all those guys went on tour. So, uh, you know, Dave was looking for someone that could dedicate solely to one project. And when we met, um, you know, we had similar visions. So we just decided to form a band and, you know, since, it was kind of my band now too. I wanted it to be good.
0: So. Is that like in 2011? Is that the write up? Yeah. You your write-up? So is that when you first uh, got brought in to do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we, we started it together. And then the first album, Mask, I didn't write any of the songs. All those songs were written by Dave and Robin McCauley. That's mm-hmm. why when you listen to it, it completely sounds like some other band. You know, it's very different from what we sound like now, and of course, like over the years, we evolved. Lot, but yeah, yeah, that album kind of gave me a chance to.
0: So it's... there you had songwriters that gave you the songs, you know, and you, you, you were the vocalist, and you? did you play board keyboards on those on that first 2011 project?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, he so him and Robin had the band, and then when Robin went on tour with Survivor. And he had a Dave had a bunch of songs left over, so when we started the band, we thought instead of waiting for a long time and writing the music, why don't we just you know put this music out and then I'll just sing over it and it'll give us a base to start on?
0: Okay, so you started that, they already had a lot of stuff that was done, so you just were the vocalist on it for your yes. 2011 project?
1: Yeah, we just released it like a month after we formed the band, but then right away we started writing write right, the songs and in a dream was the first song that we wrote together it was off of immortal waltz which is the second album and it took us a while to kind of find that first song I mean we almost gave up pretty much because it was very difficult but... yeah
0: how would how did that work did you how did you guys write together like when you have a duo that kind of writes there it seems like you you and Dave are like the, you're the primary writers for your your band right mm-hmm how do you guys, do you guys, like, c- go off and write your own demos? Or do you always kind of work together to do the song? Or do you come to each other with ideas and then work on them? Or do you always collaborate, like, in the same place? How, how does that work?
1: Oh, well, we never do it in the same place. Because it's too, it's too, um, it's more like, it depends on the song. I forget, I think within a Dream... He wrote that first kind of intro on the acoustic guitar, and then, and then I took over. I think he wrote some chords for the chorus too, and then I, you know, sat with it. I think I was like in the Starbucks parking lot listening to it.
0: Oh, you started coming up with the rest of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just, you know, some songs come really easy to you. So that was one of the songs that kind of I heard it in my head instantly. And then I went back and uh, recorded the vocal melodies and the keyboards. And we started evolving it from there. And then we fought a bunch over the bridge. (laughs) but.
0: (laughs) that's so, do you work in like in a Daw in your own little home, like bedroom studio? Do you have like at home have your own like Daw that you work stuff out, and then Dave has his own Daw, and then you come together? Is that how you how you work?
1: Well, it changed like it evolved over the years, but yeah, like we do have our own setups, and then when once the song is ready, like all demoed up, we go into a real studio and kind of start rebuilding it from there.
0: But you do have a, have a kind of a process where you argue your 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 points. Like, you might argue, argue over what you think the song should serve the song. I, kind, of like, yeah. kind of like a Lennon-McCartney. That's not a bad thing. I mean, that's like, like a known thing. That, you know, when you have a duo songwriting team, sometimes the conflict actually creates the music.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you have an idea you're really close to an idea so when somebody tells you they don't like it (laughs)
0: yeah i don't like your bridge i don't like i don't like the second chorus. so i don't you know he's like yeah it's like it's interesting when you have a band Mm -hmm. then everybody has to kind of put down their ego a little bit Mm
2: -hmm. or
0: or fight it depends on who becomes the alpha or who's not or if it is it 50 50 is it 70 30 is it 80 20 or is it like do you guys like really like try to make it 50 50
1: Well, usually when one person doesn't like it, it's, you know, over the years, they come to realize that means it's not the right part. So (laughs) what happens usually is, you know, there might be like a disagreement and, uh, you know, an argument, but then the song turns out better
0: after. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I, I guess every song is is you never know cuz i i've written songs of people where it was like you know 60 40 or 80 20 or it's, you know in a, you know one time i worked with somebody and they just said you know you did 70% i'll take a 30% because <laughs> you really did like most of it and i came in with this so it's just kind of like you know every song's different you know i've been working with people and sometimes it is you know more of one person than the other but sometimes people like REM they they made a decision that no matter what everybody was going to get 25 25 25 yeah but, but then and you never know if that how you want to do that
1: <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes yeah some songs like you know a lot of the ballads I pretty much write the whole thing and a lot of faster songs, you know, he writes a lot of it. But you know, it's always kind of fifty fifty. I usually I mean, I always write all my words and all my melodies. But the song itself, sometimes it's you know, he starts it, sometimes I start it, sometimes it just depends. But, you know, the way we split it is always kind
0: 50 of you know, 50. You know. Yeah, well I think sometimes like that works better because you run into like situations like like in the famous in music history, like the Eagles were famous where Don Henley and uh Glenn Fry used to take like the lion's share of the whole thing and then kind of act like the rest of the band were just like uh, work for hire.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, that,
0: that can cause a lot of conflict. It actually kind of broke up the band.
1: <laughs> yeah, I and mean, when we have you know the like the last the universe. I mean we you know we had quite a few band members over the years and some of the reason is it just takes a lot of dedication and uh, you know sometimes people are not in the right place in their life to dedicate their life to them. yeah
0: music is a, is a de- you know music is a love and you you've got to put your the work in and a lot of times you might not get the the, the direct payout right immediately and so some people you know they can't sacrifice as much as other people, you know, because yeah. some people it's kind of like a it's a passion, so they'll sacrifice like everything they can, and other people it's like, well, I can't fit it into my life <laughs> as yeah, much that's... as I'd want to, but
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And like the band numbers we have usually kind of come with like an album, but we always, you know, we divide the music because we, uh, you know, when somebody's in the band and they're dedicating their time and you know effort and everything i guess it just depends on how much effort or yeah, are how, how long they're in the band like right now you know we have a new drummer jamie and he's you know in the process with us so we on have a new, re-
0: on a new record you're, you're doing for 2020
1: yeah yeah well it's probably going to be for 2021
0: <laughs> depends <laughs> on the
1: tours pickup but
0: yeah, yeah yeah So you probably don't want to put it out if you can't tour it right is that is that what the deal is like you -hmm. know the way things are right now um I see you do have a single you have an acoustic single out but would you put out you wouldn't put out a full album until you could actually tour it or or would you put it out
1: probably not I mean right now a lot of it is also dependent on the label we are on Frontiers Records and they have a lot of releases so I know we have to tell them when we're delivering the album and then it usually takes six months from the delivery date.
0: So, oh, I'm to figure out how to market it.
1: And yeah, perfect. and it's just kind of to, you know, go with their schedule and then uh, see what the, you know, what type of tours are going. So in a perfect world, you know, everything's lined up for the album. Like when we did Universe, it was, you know, great timing for us because it came out the day before we went on the european tour and then that's,
0: that's a good thing to happen <laughs> yeah.
1: so that you know it's great and then we had a hammerfall tour lined up for september but obviously that's not happening right now so that's why we started to we weren't even going to work on the new album just because we were still going to tour on the universe but
0: yeah, you started touring on the universe like like what like um in november, november and then it probably got cut cut off because of covid yeah Did you, were you in the middle of it and then you had to stop
1: no it was well we came back and then everything got shut
0: later. oh so. so you'd actually been able to complete that tour or with the first leg yeah birth?
1: yeah we, we complete it was a six-week tour and then we got back right before the holiday
0: oh, so you were able to get that in that's good
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. And, you know, it, it was a difficult thing because Europe, for us, it was a big undertaking because it came up pretty fast. It's a six week tour in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had to make a decision where we were going to do it. And I'm so glad we did it. Otherwise, because we were, you know, we might have just waited for the US tour. But
0: Yeah, it was good you yeah, actually did that given the timing. <laughs> We did it so when mm-hmm. you tour like that when you have to go overseas you, do you do does your label give you the direct support for that or do you have to self-fund that um
1: no the label you know people think the label gives support to artists and they do like you know they give support for some support for the albums but these days like um the label is a great partner to have for distribution and for um, you know they are they are your partner, but you have to be prepared to invest yourself as well. Like you know, we work very hard to have been able to, like even before we funded all our recordings and tours, so we did have to, uh, you know, I guess like the merchandise sales and the yeah. So you you
0: you run like your own merch off your websites or like a lot of bands. What I've seen, you know, to, in the indie world today, compared to the old system. Where mm-hmm. you know you would you get an advance, you get tour support. The company would, you know, be part of your thing. But then you're kind of in debt because <laughs> you know the band the labels used to like. Okay, they give you an advance, they support the tour, but then they take it out of your future profits. So, yeah, so then so if you didn't make enough money on the next album, you're like in debt <laughs> yeah, so you I can guess. make another record that actually gets you out of debt. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's kind of still how it works, but. Like, you know, we did get an advance for the album, but uh, yeah, and I mean, it's I think it's better to not get indebted to the yeah. to anybody. Yeah, I
0: think that's why a lot of <laughs> bands have gone to indie to kind of like, okay, we're going to sell our own merch, we're going to sell our own physical CDs and keep more of the profit and, um, you know, and then maybe get booking agents that do, do the other thing, you know. But um okay. Yeah, it's interesting you were able to get out there because that's a really, timing-wise, that was cool that you were able to complete that tour just on the cusp of what happened. <laughs> I've been talking to bands for the you know, last three months. They've been trying to navigate this whole like situation, but we'll kind of get back to a couple other questions. like In terms of your influences and references in your music, I hear like Evanescence in, in, in your in your sound, but I, I also wanted to find out who are your um, like your reference points or artists that you looked up to in terms of like getting your sound or mm. how you got to your sound.
1: Um, well, at first, uh, when I started, I used to listen to Dio non stop.
0: Oh, Dio, yeah, it's really good. I love Dio, yeah, it's
1: awesome. I, in college, I used to listen a lot to Marilyn Manson, Korn, um, Led Zeppelin. Um,
0: so the kind of industrial, I, kind of goth, kind of dark wave.
1: Yeah, I was really into System of a Down, and uh, actually the first band that I discovered was Symphony X, and we were about to tour with them. But I used to love their, and I still do. I love their songs, mm-hmm. but you know now I guess the music is kind of influenced more by um, Ramstein. I mean I don't want to say influenced because honestly
0: you have your we own listen. sound. I mean but but you can hear reference points, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean we don't really listen to music to be honest you write like
0: your
2: own.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like I know Dave like, and Jamie Jummer, and then we all really like Ramstein and we like Korn and we like Seven Dust and um yeah, we we really like but I I love movie soundtracks. I really love that cinematic sound and the new album. There's a lot of that influence, I think. It sounds a lot more cinematic than universe. So, do
0: you do all the synth work or the electronic music as being the keyboardist? Do you do a lot of the pads and you know the synth mm-hmm. work on the albums that your stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do all that, and I also really like experimenting with different sounds, like finding cool samples.
0: So, are you just... like is what you do primarily, like in the studio, do you take advantage of? like hardware sense that you can get to or you do everything within like plugins or plugouts through the DAW or your producers provide you with you know different instruments to get certain sounds
1: I mean we have uh, like you know pro tools these days you can have you know you can get make
0: any- you can get anything the- you want
1: <laughs> but we tend to like I have a keyboard and I tend to play most of this stuff. Yeah, I think we still kind of do it the okay. old school way where we play all the parts. And, you know, the producer, like the main role of Mike Plotnikoff, he's producing this album and he did the last one. Um, You know, when, once we have the song demoed up, I go and I record the vocals. And when I do that, we pretty much finalize the um, version of the song, and then we record the really solid vocals. And Neil from Three Days Grace has been co-producing this album as well, and he's had a lot of good input. Just, um, you know, from because he wrote a lot of hits, so it's kind yeah, yeah. of interesting to see his perspective on a lot of parts that, you know, just kind of his way of thinking. So once we finalize the song and we have the vocals, we went back and we did the drums for six songs. It's like we recorded six right now. And you know we did the drums to that. And then once we got the drum tracks back, Dave goes back and starts re-recording the guitars to the drums. And then I do the keyboards and we kind of rebuild the song. And then once that is done, we send it off to Jacob Hansen and he's out in Denmark and then he mixes them. That's your recording and, engineer? Uh, no, Mike Mike Plotnikoff, he produces, and he's also the engineer. Um, but, like, for example, Dave, he records a lot of his stuff on his own, just because he has a setup, and...
0: He has his own home studio?
1: Yeah, and, you know, because he can spend as much time as he needs to, just perfecting everything, and he actually played bass on the last one.
0: So, the question I have is, like, when you work with a producer, a lot of times, producers will... I, I like to watch music documentary. So I was watching a documentary about George Martin and the Beatles. I was watching mm-hmm. a documentary about like, um, uh, uh, like uh, a couple other bands I was into, like Tom Petty and they were really getting into details, like what the produce, how the producers come in and make suggestions on like guitar parts to try to get, you know, the memorable guitar part or the, the, the like the best, um, the melodic mm-hmm. lines on a keyboard or a bass to kind of put the, an album together, do you, do you get a lot of feedback from your producers that tell you, well, you know, you should kind of rearrange this or redo this or think of the different ideas? Or are they more like, okay, how much input do your producers have into like the structure of your song? Do they actually change a lot of what you originally wrote or do they kind of just try to make it better?
2: Um,
1: it depends on the song. I think like Mike, he really understands our sound now. And like... like for example over these last six songs that we did uh one of the songs we rearranged a lot of it we pretty much changed the whole chorus in the studio but all the other ones you know they really liked them and then we just kind of made them better and we always focus on the vocals and like the song itself and the guitar you know Everything kind of has to support the melodies and the song. And, like, most of the time, we put so much into the song that <laughs> a lot of the, um, like, usually Mike just tells us what to take away. Okay, so you like... might
0: have so many layers of guitar, he just maybe tells you to take some out. or
1: Not even guitar, just, like, maybe parts in the song. Oh, like or maybe
0: too many layered, but... like, keyboards or layered pads. or
1: Yeah, or, like, maybe if, if our bridge... Long or whatever it may be, like I think we learned over the years. Like for the last CD, it was more of that, it was more kind of cutting stuff out for this. Oh,
0: just tightening things up to make it like more radio play or more hit oriented or just maybe just groove oriented,
1: yeah, kind of leaving what just the song needs and what the song doesn't need, just yeah, you know, put it out. But I think for this one, we i think we really found our sound so we know exactly like we hear exactly what we want to create and we kind of really go in a straight line to that
0: point So you guys and have got your edge of paradise sound and exactly. you, kind, yeah, you know what it is like every band kind of gets their like zeppelin had their sound journey had a sound every band kind of finally gets that that right groove and then it, yeah. it, you know, as writers, I guess you guys are type, Now you're in sync with where you yeah. want to go.
1: It took us eight years, I think. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think it is like if you get any band, you know, when the who were at the top of their game, you know, on who's next, it was just like, boom, they, they, I mean, most of that was cut live. And it's really mm-hmm. kind of when a band really kind of gels and you kind of like, you don't have to really tell the other person in the band, they just kind of know, um, that's when you kind of do your best work, when you're at your peak, you know, synchronization.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very true.
0: Because It's weird today because there's so many people that are like, I talk to a lot of DJs. I talk to a lot of hip-hop people, and it's a different situation than your kind of outfit. I've been talking to more bands lately. I Actually, have, the last couple of oh. artists I've been talking to are actually full bands. And I've always been cool. very much, I'm a, I'm a child of the 70s. I'm in my 50s.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I used
0: to, you know, lo- go in a basement and listen to Pink Floyd, you know, l- listen to albums. Um, because I'm mm-hmm. kind of more of an album-oriented listener or music mm-hmm. fan, not as much a, a, a like a modern playlist-oriented fan. And so I always liked the idea when a band actually has an album and I'll, I'll sit and mm-hmm. listen. I won't just pick songs out of it. I'll listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Do you find that your fans are, tip, would typically you know edge of paradise fans listen to your whole record or do they have the kind of this kind of new spot spotify playlist kind of attitude where they'll grab what they think is the best song and then link it to another band and just do it as a playlist or do you have fans that are are really dedicated to listen to your full projects
1: um i think we have both because like we we've grown a dedicated fan base from like we have a lot of loyal people that became, you know, kind of part of our world over the years. And when we have something out, you know, they support it and they get the whole album, they get the vinyl, like for the last release, I made these box sets where I painted like wooden boxes and included CDs inside. And, you know, they got the full package and they definitely listened to the whole thing. And then a lot of people go on Spotify and listen to the whole thing. But then we also have like, you know, for the last CD, I think we opened more of like a younger fan base Mm -hmm. that. Are maybe more into Single. more mainstream music mm-hmm. yeah and you know the way you can track it on spotify some of the songs are definitely more popular than others but also that depends on spotify support because you know they put our first singles into their playlists and that gets to a lot of people's ears
0: yeah yeah the playlist seems to be the the way things are marketed today Though I think your fan base, like when you put those special packages together, I think, you know, being the kind of music fan I am, I'm I'm the kind of guy who'll buy the vinyl. I'll buy the box set, you know.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's
0: kind of where I, I, I came from. I, I can see the young kids saying today, well I don't have a record player. Well some of them do now, but but they they tend to want to be able to bring it along with their phone, with their smartphone and just have their their record collection on their phone. Um and so they they don't, you know, maybe aren't as drawn to the box set unless they're like your real hardcore fans that come to your show that will buy the CD, you know, buy your t-shirts, buy your merch, which is cool. I think that's, that's, that's a really good part of music today when you have that kind of, it kind of started back in when the dead, you know, the grateful dead had this bass that would foam anywhere, anywhere you know bands like funkadelic people would No,
1: i mean it's interesting in europe people we sold a ton of vinyls actually more than cds a lot of people really like vinyls and we have a really cool one and uh, um I have to check it out <laughs> yeah the i really love the artwork and then we had an artist justin seven he created a whole alien language for us So, do you
0: include liner notes when you do your vinyl? Because, like, a lot of people, like, what about the 70s was they, you know, when you got the vinyl, then they had these nice, like, posters or additional artwork. Do you, like, because the vinyl format allows you to do a little bit more artistically? Do you give people, like, when you do your full package, do you have, like, inserts with, like, lyrics and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, our vinyl is cool in a way that, so the inside of the vinyl has its own cool artwork and then like that alien language that Justin seven created we wrote kind of messages cool. on you know on the, around the front cover of the album and then inside comes the cipher which each symbol goes with a letter oh, kind of like so, zozo
0: for zeppelin <laughs> yeah so fans
1: can decipher the messages and you know we've done a lot of that's like, cool we've written out of messages with that
0: language i like that in the 70s bands mm-hmm. used to do that you know they used to have like you know zeppelin was famous for doing all their Zoso kind of uh celtic you know uh mystery and kind of mythology mm-hmm. they would throw into their records and then people would try to figure out what they're trying to get at
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but
0: yeah i think the whole idea of the, of the vinyl format is it's kind of like what video is today it gives people that ability to do more art or tie like a theme or just give like a bigger picture of what your project is about besides just the music. And I I think, I think fans, I think there's still fans that want that physical connection to the band. They love, they want to be able to pick up that vinyl, pick up that sleeve, look at the lyrics, look at the posters, you know, decode your messages. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's part of the experience.
1: Mm -hmm. and it's so it's fun yeah i think it
0: gets the reason why people like music compared to like a video game you know it's it's a different type of thing that you want to engage your fans and i'm always telling bands it's like yeah do the vinyl because (laughs) fans all over the world are are really getting into it um they're cool so um the other question I, i i usually get into is uh we talked about you have home recording. So you guys have your own home recording rigs and then you go to a traditional studio. So now that we're in this kind of COVID situation, are you having to like just mail or send your stuff like through the net or, you know, by by, by courier? How are you like producing your new album? Are you able to get to the studio? Oh, are
1: you able- yeah, yeah. I mean, it's only a what? Four well, it's like three or four people inside the studio, and then Neil from, uh, he joins us over, um, FaceTime I think from um, he's out in Canada, but he developed like a whole system where he hears exactly what he hear we hear, so the board mix just goes straight into his speakers. Wow, so he can
0: be in Canada and you can be in LA.
1: Yeah, so it's real time, real sound that feels just like he's in the room I was wondering if somebody
0: had set that up yet but I guess he got his own dedicated way of doing it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah he's got it all figured out I
0: was looking for like you know Ableton or Pro Tools to come up with a like a a collaborative DAW that would allow Mm -hmm. me to like if somebody's in FL studio or somebody's in Ableton and they're in their home bedroom studio could I actually do what you're doing you know I was hoping that somebody would figure that out but Looks like he's figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they should. Oh, because I think that would help a lot of artists in this time. Because I've I've actually talked to some artists; they're kind of stuck, where they can get Mm -hmm. to their demo through their, you know, their DAW, but then they they can't get to the studio, or they have to send Mm -hmm. something to the studio, and they have to keep on going back and forth um, through the mail or through, you know, through online, and it's it's not like the optimum situation. But you're actually physically able to get to your studio; you're not restricted yeah cool. yeah some places like i was talking to get bands in london and they can't they won't let them in um mm. in germany like some of the bands are being like they still have some rules saying you can't have more than a certain amount of people so it's mm-hmm. making it harder for them to do it but so i guess you're coping better that's one of the questions we asked about like in the new reality of the corona virus are you able to still kind of record the way you used to you seem to be able to still do it
1: yeah, it's actually been going really well. I mean, we're bummed about the tour being canceled, but we're just making the best of the situation. And, we, you know, the new songs have been turning out
0: really great. Do you so, think you've had more time I, to work on your, your song craft than you would have if you had the time to tour? Because I know I talk to a lot of bands and, you know, because touring is so lucrative to bands and how they make the most, most of their money that sometimes they have to spend so much time touring that they don't get as much time to record as they would like. So are you actually able to do more with your recordings than you would have been able to if things were, like, in a normal situation?
1: Yeah, I guess usually we'd have shows. I think uh, also mentally, uh, you know, knowing that there's no shows right now anyway, your brain kind of focuses on one thing. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'd be already thinking about touring or, you know, doing something.
0: Do you think that actually gives you a better, um, maybe mindset for an album? Like if you're able to fully concentrate on the work rather than be distracted by having to rehearse or travel for a show, does that give you, you think a better, like a clearer, like vision or maybe a deeper dive into your work than you would have been able to if you had been distracted by other things
1: um i mean maybe in a sense yes but i think even it's just like we spend it's hard to explain but like either way even if i was distracted like for the last cd um we had sort of a deadline because we signed with Frontiers and we had a Japan tour coming up and it's not that I was distracted but it just was much more stressful because you kind of know what you want the song to, he- to sound like and you know when it's ready and it's like it's just like we would I think yeah,
0: a tighter deadline.
1: nights. I stayed up pretty much all night just like either editing drums or doing something uh, so it was a lot of not sleeping and just stressing out the weird
0: thing is with artists I've had some artists tell me that they do better work when they're stressed out (laughs) or or they're Mm -hmm. under pressure then they actually will take the the, kind of the 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 psychological or the stress of it right and it actually helps their creativity and it makes them maybe write something that they wouldn't have written if they were comfortable so I've talked to some songwriters and say well you know It's kind of like the things that are stressful, the bad times, the things that are kind of hurtful kind of drive creativity. So if I'm in a stressful situation, I might write a different type of music than if I'm fully like happy. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. artists and I've talked to some artists, they tend to kind of put themselves in the situation where they're always kind of somewhat stressed to kind kind of drive the creativity.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. I think my mind is always on another planet anyway, so I kind of write my own thing. (laughs) I don't know what it drives by, but um, I think a lot of the songs that I write are kind of, um, how do I say? I mean, they are based in reality and like real feeling and emotion, but a lot of them are kind of about not even about, but uh, it's hard to say, like, larger than reality. Oh, so
0: or... you're, you, well, I mean, sometimes, like, if you think about art rock, or like, if you think about like glam rock or progressive rock, you know, stuff like Pink Floyd, it's a little bit beyond like the everyday, you know, sometimes you get into this kind of thing with music where a band like Yes and Genesis, they dealt with these kind of big, kind of you know, conceptual ideas, right? So it's more mm-hmm. like science fiction. A lot of early Genesis, Peter Gable, was like enamored with like Isaac Asimov and all these science fiction writers. So you actually mm-hmm. had like Harlan Ellison lines from science fiction novels in the work. And so it wasn't just like everyday life. It was a little bit more. And so yeah. and so sometimes exactly. there's some music you can get to that kind of space stuff that Bowie was doing with space Oddity. Major Tom, mm-hmm. is like this idea, this kind of science fiction, like two thousand and one, a space Odyssey, a Stanley Kub- Kubrick idea. Um, yeah, so that kind of you can get a little outside of yourself and a bigger issue than just like the everyday. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always been the case. You, <laughs> I love you like
0: that. That kind of your, your your stuff. your direction with your music seems a little bit more cosmic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cosmic, futuristic, kind of. Uh, Oh, well, a lot of people have been like every time I say something about what the song's about, they all kind of reference Black Mirror episodes. So yeah, yeah, I guess, I mean, you've got this you kind of it.
0: sci-fi, dystopian mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. That I, you know, if you read Harlan Ellison, you read Isaac Asma, if you read the, you know anything Roddenberry wrote. Um, yeah, you've got that kind of feel. You got this feel mm-hmm. that, that that's kind of cool because you know I've always been a progressive, you know, music person though i i you know big fan of genesis and you know uh pink floyd and you know pro call I and mean, all, all the you know the stuff that was deep you know would go into this kind of like you know you know set the controls for for, for the sun you know <laughs> when you're, you're doing something where it's like okay this is a little bit sci-fi or it's a little bit fantasy like you know Little, little token here or, or the...
1: yeah and like we've always kind of said that we want to take people and transport them to our planet so they can forget the reality
0: well I think that's good to have that because if it, all music is just you know some music is really into like okay I'm going to deal with life on the street I'm going to deal with like this dysfunctional codependent relationship and that's cool and it, you can get to the heart of a lot of issues a lot of singer songwriters do talk about their own life but it's cool when you can actually project your own life into something that's like bigger than your Mm -hmm. life, but still relatable. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is kind of like the the thing where you're taking like relatable things in your life, but then putting it into this more cosmic thing, Mm
2: -hmm. which is cool. Yes. Thank
0: you. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Um yeah, so you, you guys are, are are still doing very uh, well in that you're working on a new record. you think it's going to be 2021?
1: Most likely, yeah. I mean, we're almost, uh, almost at the end of this year, which is crazy to think about time flies. How
0: did you like playing in Tokyo? I actually lived in Tokyo from 2004 to
1: 2006. Oh, How did cool. you
0: like playing in Tokyo and Yokohama?
1: yeah we really loved it. We were very lucky that the promoter that brought us over yutaka they gave us the warmest mm-hmm. welcome and you know he pr- really promoted the shows and we played um like the bands that played with us were great and the fans were great and the people in Japan are so respectful and yeah. you know they really love the music and they simply buy everything and yeah. you know, all the merch and then they took us like all over. Tokyo and all over Yokohama and just showed us every wow. you know everything you could think. Of, Did like, you get to go to an
0: onsen, or you didn't have enough time to go to an onsen, or like that's like a like a volcanic hot bath? They're more. Important.
1: No, we didn't go there, but we like we did. We went to bamboo forest, we so went cool. to
0: yeah.
1: a digital museum, mm-hmm. I forgot what it's called, but it was pretty amazing. And then we went to like the tallest building over there. We went to like uh, we went to that big Buddha where you go inside the Buddha, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, like they took us to like this Chinese neighborhood went to this like really crazy Chinese restaurant they took us to like all these amazing restaurants and I love sushi and I love raw fish so yeah. I was eating everything.
0: Yeah, I mean I, had, I lived like, in there for in two the years I, I never ran out of restaurants to go to that's the thing about Tokyo mm-hmm. if you live there like I was there for two years and I never ran out of restaurants to go to I was mean, like I was like every day you could find another restaurant it's just it's so many mm-hmm. Rest it, it was just unbelievable but it was, it yeah. was just a, I, I did love the fact that they had an appreciation for like everything I mean I would go to Rapongi and I'd see a band playing stuff like like CBGB's in New York you see a, a band doing like punk music you see it sounded like the Ramones and then you go to mm-hmm. another place and the guy's like playing like Coltrane and then you go to another place mm-hmm. and somebody's doing like like Van Halen. And you could find like every t- you know Motown. You could find, and then you had Japanese bands like Asian Kung Fu Generation. I mean, I was like really into a lot of the Japanese bands. I started getting appreciation for for their sound because I was watching anime and all that. But yeah, it's just uh, it's a really cool mm-hmm. place. It's very welcoming. I loved living there. It, it's like mm-hmm. one of the best experiences I ever had. So I always ask bands if they they went there, what their experience was, and you seem to have the similar <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. yeah, so you actually went to Holland too, though. You went to a a femme festival?
1: Yeah, we went to that was a while ago, that was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. But we went to that this last European tour we went to I think over twenty countries. We got to see a lot. Um yeah, Holland is really cool. Um at Amsterdam was really fun to visit, but we yeah, we went to France italy well, which um,
0: countries do you think you had, had your like your most surprising or best experience which which one would you
1: I, I mean all if we we toured with sonata arctica and they have a really great fan base so all the shows were pretty much packed and um like i guess eastern europe fans are just really loud and they're you know they really express themselves (laughs) as opposed to, for example, Denmark or Belgium. People are much more reserved and they're quieter. So is that harder
0: to play? Like, If you play a gig and everybody's reserved, is it harder to kind of read the crowd to know if they're digging it or not?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's a little more scary just because, for example, in Belgium we thought people hated us. But then after the show, I think it was the show that we sold the mer- most merchandise mm-hmm. uh, so it's it, yeah it's hard to yeah I guess engage. it's the culture where they
0: feel like it's like rude to be too loud <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then if you see play like I, I think I, I I was listening to some other artists there I was, I, I was listening to something about and he was saying that he was traveling in, in like in some countries like, that, like Norway and Netherlands and Denmark and <clears throat> he was noting that there was this kind of re- reservation um that he was like wow that's it was hard to read but then he found that they (laughs) like they did buy all the merch and they were really into it they wanted autographs they wanted to to meet and greet and so it was you know just when you're on stage it was so hard to kind of read the crowd but Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: so so are you guys working on any kind of online presence because of covid are you more you know into just focusing on a new record are you going to do like any (laughs) online kind of concerts
1: well, we at, at the beginning when this whole thing happened, we did some acoustic songs. I think we did three of our songs, acoustic, where we did live stream, where we just put them out. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, we, we're always online and we're always interacting with fans. And we kind of have this relationship with fans where everything's very... Um, like we're we're a very approachable band and we want people to be part of our world. Okay, so, so you're doing
0: like YouTubes that's... and your or or like online, you just show up and maybe do it like an unplugged or something, or.
1: Well, we, no, we don't really do it unplugged, but like you know, we post. But we, um, like we we've done some live streams where we answer questions. We did a live stream where we played the song. Uh, but like for example, we you know we're we, we, we are focusing on making the new album but we post some videos from the studio well, I, so well, i
0: think a lot of people who are music fans like to see that like if you can actually show like in studio mm-hmm. shots so you're able to do that
1: yeah actually you can if you go to our instagram or facebook you can hear a lot of the songs as they're being recorded um like when i was singing or when we did the drums you know, I mean, they're like a minute long, but yeah, then yeah. you can still see the process. What are on so.
0: Instagram? Because Instagram is really good for doing those like one minute clips to kind of keep mm-hmm. your. Do you find that Instagram, out of all the social media, do you do you think it's the like it seems to be the one that musicians really like a lot because it seems to be able to connect to your fans kind of immediately, and you can put a lot of you can put little clips of music. You can do up to like ten minutes if you want to. Or now, I think up to fifteen, and it just seems like mm-hmm. that you can engage your fans there pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I like both. Well, we started with Facebook, so we grew most of our fan base on Facebook. So I still really like that, just because we have that direct interaction with people mm-hmm. that have been following the band for a long time. But I do really like Instagram. At Instagram, it's a bit like we get new fans more on Instagram than Facebook I think. And yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of same. The least thing I like is Twitter. It's just Yeah, Twitter you know. seems
0: to be hard to to engage. You know, mm-hmm. I've talked to bands that are, that are pretty established and it it seems like Facebook and YouTube and Instagram seem to have better engagement for like the music audience. Maybe uh-huh. maybe it's, the platform might not be really meant as much for musicians as it is for other types of stuff um it seems like you know the the tiktok seems to be jumping up
1: (laughs) i don't know anything about tiktok
0: TikTok just started you know being kind of big um for certain certain types of genres certain bands are 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 better at using it right now Mm -hmm. um but it's starting to kind of get bigger than it was though we don't know if it'll still be around (laughs) but um <laughs>
2: um, mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, it just seems like the way they engage your fans now is all this social media. So, do you guys like plan like your social media campaign? Do you guys like work on how you are going to engage your fans, or you just kind of have uh, how much of that do you work on as, as a band, you like to figure out how you what your plan for connecting to your fans on all the social media?
1: I don't think no, we don't plan anything, but lately. You because know, I've always really liked the visual aspect of a band as well. So I, I like, you know, creating posts that, I don't know, fun pictures mm-hmm. or um, just like videos from the studio. Like, we don't really plan anything, but it just.
2: Um,
0: you, just en- yeah. you just engage <laughs> as, as, as you, you know, you're just engaging. As like, from an artistic point of view, you're not trying to like, like some bands, you know, they got these guys are doing like the SEO and they're doing all this marketing and they're trying to figure out like the best way to do this and that. And it's kind of like, oh. it's like a big, like operation.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, but, maybe we should do that. But, but, no, but
0: you know, but that's because they've got, you know, people that are doing that. Um, and I think if you run it kind of like, okay, I'm going to run it kind of grassroots kind of feel then it feels more comfortable than if you're running it more like like a corporation where I run it <laughs> and I, you know sometimes musicians you know are they gonna do it more corporate oriented type of marketing or they kind of do it kind of grassroots kind of feel like okay I, this is like a fan club type of thing I'm gonna do it because I want to connect with the fans and it's not really like a marketing strategy it's more like a, yeah, a connection I mean,
1: like, you know, we always just focus on the music and then um, you know, I think music is such a universal language, and you know, it connects people together. And social media is just one of those tools that connects you with your fans and or just people. Because you know, to me, for example, music is, you know, I, I make it so I can bring something positive to somebody's life or you know, just kind of inspire people or
0: um, Yeah, I think music uh, ends up being the bright the, spot the of the
1: world a, somehow. Yeah,
0: it's a bright mm-hmm. spot in a lot of people's day, you know, if you can get somebody to kind of dive into your world, like you're you're bringing people into this kind of zone, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that you can kind of get enveloped in the sound. And I always think of like music as like sound paintings, like Hendrix, mm-hmm. Hendrix and George Martin kind of talk about Music is, is like when you're a producer or you're doing music as an artist, you start thinking in terms of like sound pains, because if you just recorded a band as they sound naturally, it won't sound like a record. It would just sound mm-hmm. like live. So when you go to do a record, you are changing the colors of that music and you're changing like all kinds of aspects of it to make it more than what it is. Like when you do an album, it's more than what you actually have when you do live. The 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 album kind of represents like a piece of art, and some a mm-hmm. lot of ways is like a sound painting.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're right.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah, right, so when you play live, how much of your like backing tracks and all the stuff that goes into an album are you able to replicate live, or do you have like a different way of playing your songs live where you maybe don't take everything that was on the record and do it? Because it maybe it might limit you if you have to be tied to those backing tracks. Do you kind of play it like a live version of the song or do you try to stay t- true to the studio version?
1: We always try to stay true to the studio version, but sometimes some of the keyboard parts has have to be played on guitar. But we do, most of the keyboard parts, we put them on the backing track. So, um, and, you know, I think you just have to do that these days because it's just everybody does them and you don't want to strip your songs down because when people come to the shows i think you know most of people they expect to hear what they heard Yeah. yeah so we try to really you know do the song as is and just add the live energy to it so it becomes even more powerful
0: do you find that that kind of locks you into it, or do you find that you're able to kind of work around it if you want to improvise a little bit?
1: Um, no, I think we you're still able to, like, Um, I mean, I sing usually, I mean, I don't really improvise on the melodies, but, you know, I think every time you perform it, you may, like, I put different maybe emotion into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know, like, guitars can improvise a bit more. Like, yeah. the solos are more extended. Uh, but, like, the bass, bass of the song is always the same. It's solid. Yeah, so. it's it
0: coming from all the, like, the back and tracks running through, like, sequencer.
1: Or... Well, yeah, the drummer, yeah. the bass player, usually, you know, they have to be locked into what the song is. Yeah, Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah so the guitar player can kind of go off. I mean, the keyboard player you could go off a little bit, you know, if you're still in the same structure. But do you, mm-hmm. do you tend? So do you play your keyboard live or concentrate more no. on
1: vocals? No, I just do vocals. I mean, maybe in the future, you know, we'll put a keyboard on stage and I'll do a little bit. But um, yeah, it's you know, I really want to just yeah. Because being a
0: vocalist, it it is you're a musician, right? So yeah, and so to concentrate on your vocals to give the best vocal performance. You know, it's hard to have that. You know to Be able to do both, uh, and you have to be like you know, Elton John or something <laughs> to, to, to be able to do your, your, your keyboard parts and your vocal at the same level. You gotta, it's a different level of skill to do that, and some people would rather just focus on the vocal part. Plus, it, I, I think if you're stuck at a piano, people can't see you.
1: Well, that's the thing, yeah. I think, I mean, it's not that well. For me because I've played piano my whole life it's kind of second nature but yeah. Uh, yeah I don't really, I don't really want to be stuck behind
0: it it's kind of like what happened to Karen carpenter and she was a drummer you know and, and yeah she, and, yeah she, it's she, not
1: bad I don't ever can comprehend how drummers can sing because sure. to me it looks so difficult you have to play drums and use your legs yeah
2: yeah
0: where you get a guy like you know like like um Dan Don, Don Henley You know, he for the Eagles, he was behind the drum set most of the time, singing those songs, and that was pretty hard. Um, But but if you think about, um, you know, just being able to 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 focus this way, like my story about Karen Carpenter, she was a drummer too, and she early Carpenters um, tours, you actually would see her behind the drums, singing those songs. And then the management said, well, you know, if you're the female lead singer, you kind of need to do it like like Diana Ross, you need to get in the front. And so they kind of mm-hmm. took her away from the drums, but she really loved playing drums and she was actually a very good drummer. Like all those mm-hmm. Carpenter records, she was playing the drums. And so, mm-hmm. and, and when you see a concert of her playing the drums, it actually was pretty cool. <laughs> to, yeah. to see a, a singer, her, her ability actually playing drums and singing at that level, it was like, wow. Um, but yeah, I can, I understand, you know, the, the, for, the, for the I guess they connect to the crowd you you kind of have to be able to move around stage, and if mm-hmm. you're on a piano, you kind of. Elton John used to say like he he used to dress the way he did to try to, you know, give give himself a way for the crowd to get engaged because he knew he was gonna have to be at that piano,
2: <laughs> you know.
0: So that's why he had all these flamboyant costumes to kind of, you know, because he had to really play the piano. He couldn't really get away from it, and so we had mm-hmm. to do something to try to draw attention. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: So when you do a show, your your visuals, how much are the visuals when you're your live act? When you do a live show, do you have a lot of visual cues that kind of go with the vibe of your music? Do you have like a whole like like light or Mm -hmm. or video show? How how do you do that?
1: Yeah, you know, to me, visual aspect is one of is equally as important as the music. So, like it depends on the show for the last tour. We were lucky that the venues we played that, you know, they had a really great capacity to do really cool light shows. And then we had our backdrop. uh, So to kind of portray the feeling of the music on stage, but we were an opening band and we had to go all the way to Europe. So we couldn't bring too much stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the, you know, we, Tried to, you know, we did as much as we could, and mm. the lighting show with each performance, you know, was um, pretty cool. So, for the next tour, like for the US tour, we were planning to have much more of a bigger setup. So, for the next album, we will definitely have more, you know, of stuff on stage. More. Are, are of... you
0: working with like a video? like uh, for like um engineer for that type of live performance or do you have like somebody in the in the band uh that's gonna like run the connection between the visuals and the and and the stuff are you guys just doing that yourself
1: well we do have a lot of like we have a lot of artwork that we you know created set pieces for Mm -hmm. uh but as we get closer to a tour right now i'm not really sure when that's going to happen there's a tour in the works but we don't really know exact dates yet mm-hmm. just because things are uncertain but as we get closer i think we will work with um you know more of us. Uh, this not a set you know yeah like the visual aspect of things mm-hmm. bring somebody in to really yeah like a um, video you know, solidify yeah,
0: everything video effects kind of like like talent that knows how to do that sync with a lot of tools today I mean you can sync all your MIDI stuff to the light systems and so and then if you've got video you can send that video out to the big you know LED screens and then synchronize it to the beats of all your drum machines and all your you know MP stuff and all your MIDI stuff so that can be done but there are guys that are just as creative as musicians that actually can do Mm -hmm. you know really good presentations of your stuff like you know like a video director level type of thing but they're more of a of a you know like a like a recording engineer like a video engineer Mm -hmm. They they can do that kind of presentation but if you've got your own kind of vision for what you want that to be would you kind of be driving that vision or would you look for somebody to bring a vision that kind of is in line with yours
1: well we do have a very solid vision of what we want the new album to be with the live show so when we're bringing somebody in it would be someone that kind of gets the vision and can amplify it mm-hmm.
0: yeah so yeah. You're, you you would be looking for somebody to kind of interpret the songs and come up with their own kind of like old mtv used to have video directors would come in and interpret a song and make us a video that maybe is totally different than what the song seems to be <laughs> yeah but, but...
1: <laughs> no yeah because we have yeah I, with this, I'm. It's just very clear of what the music is and what the vision is, and I mean, I think even if people listen to the songs, they would probably come up with the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So but, you guys have mm-hmm. a clear vision of what how you want to present it. You wouldn't go to somebody to do like a totally like kind of off kilter vision of it. Can you already know what you want to show? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're glad to have you on. Uh, margarita and uh it's been really great to talk to you and this is going to get published um on 11 podcast platforms and we are part of part of spotify anchor is actually a spotify company and we will have this on anchor fm apple podcast and spotify along with um like seven other platforms or eight um
1: awesome yeah i mean thank you so much for having me and Uh, Yeah, we'll spread the word. Yeah,
0: we're going to put this up on our Instagram channel. And this one cool thing is um, Spotify has really good integration Mm -hmm. with Anchor and um, uh, Spotify Podcast. So when we create a story on our our Instagram, it will actually have a, a hyperlink that will allow you to click right to the Spotify Podcast version of this program. Very cool. So when we push that up. Uh, we will share that. We'll tag you on it, and then when we put it up, you could you you know create your own version of it or whatever. Um, but yeah, that will help push it so people can hear it for free. Uh, and you don't have to actually subscribe to Spotify to listen to Spotify podcast. So anybody who gets the link can actually listen to it, whether or not they're a paid subscriber or not.
1: Nice, very cool. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure to share our world with with you guys so we
0: look forward to uh hearing about your new record when your new record is ready you know feel free to contact us and we can you know talk to you about doing a a, a, an album release version of the show where we can talk about that project
1: yeah that'd be awesome thank you so much thank you bye all right bye